to Johnny are all together, and I don't know who actually has the question because they were all making up a question together. So, um, Ajitaka? Adibo. 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 Jai Maharaj. Jai. Hare Krishna. Yes, yes, so I can. So we actually have a uh, uh, nice to meet you. <laughs> My pleasure. We actually we actually have uh, two different questions there. We're in uh, I don't know if you've been to uh, the Northwest, but we're in uh, by Portland, a couple hours south of Portland. Uh huh. And I'm at uh, Prabhanu's and Panchajani's house. No, I have I haven't been uh, there. I haven't been there. No. It's very beautiful, especially this time of year. It's uh, not humid, and the weather is very nice. It's, you know, rel relative to the rest of the, the planet, I think. So mm -hmm. In the 70s, maybe 80s, most of the summer. So it's very nice. You should come up. But, uh, okay. Anyways, I have a question. We actually have two questions. Uh, so I'll ask mine first, and then turn it over to uh, Urbano. <coughs> Yeah, my question relates to the idea that seems to be cause quite a bit of confusion within and without our community, and that is the whether or not the swarup is uh, inherent in the jiva. And my understanding through Maharaj and also a little bit of reading with the, in the Sundarbhas that Jiva Goswami explains that that simply is not the case. Mm -hmm. And there's many reasons for that. But uh, <clears throat> we were talking last night, and Prabhano Prabhu mentioned that according to Madhvacharya, his teachings are that the Swarup is inherent in the Jiva. Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if you could com comment uh, about those ideas. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if I can comment of Madhva, on Madhvacharya's ideas. Yes. Well, 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 first, our idea, why there is 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 there in fact any uh, contradiction contradiction within the Gaudi Vaishnava Sampradaya coming from the Goswamis as to whether or not the the Swarup is inherent within mm -hmm. the Jiva? So mm -hmm. That that would be my first question. Is there any discussion there anywhere in the Goswami's literature? Um, so. That would be question number one, and then number two: Does does Madhvacharya actually teach that it is inherent? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, I get. Well, uh, first of all, uh, well, yes, in our community, if we speak in, in, in more global terms, there may be some uh, difference of opinion about this topic, as well as some other topics, actually, not only this one, <laughs> but, well, the question is regarding the inherency of, of, of Bhakti in this case. But, for example, yesterday here in the talk in Czech Republic, I was speaking a little bit about the idea of not falling from Golok, that for most of you, I, I, I imagine, is something very clear, that it's not like that, and it's not even that we fall from somewhere. <laughs> but... We know that in other members of the community, these are uh, different. They have different ideas in that regard, and some of them still 
entertain the conception of falling from Vaikuntha and like this. So, he's speaking in the in the smaller community, if you will, of Sri Chaitanya Sangh. In this case, I don't think these issues are a problem, <laughs> but in the wider uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava community, there may be some difference. So, yes, some some practitioners entertain the idea of bhakti being inherent due to certain uh, statements. And, but, uh, of course, as you know, Guru Maharaj, and, and not, not only Guru Maharaj, but <laughs> the Goswamis, our Shastra Gurus, established the idea of bhakti being non-inherent in the jiva. So this is not a New Age uh, idea presented by some contemporary Acharya, but exactly the opposite. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and if we go through the Goswami's texts, we, we won't find any contradiction whatsoever in that regard. They are very consistent in their in their arguments and all of them are pointing in a particular direction actually that's the very idea of the Goswamis being our Shastra Gurus because it wouldn't make too much sense if Mahaprabhu himself empowered them to be such uh, people if you will and at the same time they start to contradict between themselves that would make a very uh, strong foundation for our Sampradaya and our Siddhanta so, uh, actually, of course, there are some details here and there regarding some things that maybe Rupa Goswami say and Jiva Goswami say on certain topics, but not concerned in this regard, more connected to some bhava issue and other topics. But no big conflict there. But regarding the situation of the inherency of bhakti, especially, as you may imagine, going to the Sandarvas of Jiva Goswami, uh, which are like the to make a parallel with Christian tradition like the Summa Theologica of Thomas Aquinas in Christianity <laughs> we have the Satsandarva in our Gaudiya Sampradaya like the official book about uh, the theology of our uh, tradition basically so there won't, we won't find any conflict, any contradiction like this like, if you want to extend the idea of Goswamis to Krishna Das, Kaviraj Goswami, where they will be find this famous verse from Chaitanya Charitamrita, Nitya Siddha Krishna Prem Sadhya Kavunai Shravanadi Sudha Chitkara Yudai. He's also one of our Goswamis by extension, but the point is that his Chaitanya Charitamrita is a very uh, chaste uh, and loyal uh, extension of uh, Rupa Goswami's and the rest of the Goswami's work in Bengali. So naturally, he has he must be faithful to their uh, statements and spirit. And, and that verse actually is not speaking about bhakti being inherent, but it has been interpreted in that way. So, But when you really go to the word-by-word mm. word translation of the verse, Trinitya Siddha Krishna Prana, like this, you won't find that there's been a spe- speaking about this idea. First... Uh, First part of the verse is speaking about the Nitya Siddhas, and second part of the verse is speaking about, let's say, the Sadakas who aspire to become Sadhana Siddhas. So, first it speaks about how Nitya Siddha Krishna Prem Sadhya Kabunai, that divine love is present in the Nitya Siddhas, is an eternal existent, an eternal uh, perfected substance that is present in the Nitya Siddhas. There is no other way to to, to go around that and Shravanadi Sudachitkara Yodai. As much as one engages in bhakti, 
naturally that uh, eternal perfected substance present in those hearts will come down through through the, the medium of, of parampara that's the whole idea of of, of raganuga bhakti you know, the idea of anug of anu no? interestingly in Sanskrit for example the word mm. uh, the, the term experience no? how do you say experience in Sanskrit anubhav one of the ways no? anubhav but if you analyze the etymology of the term anubhav means to follow the emotion no? anu is follow and bhav means emotion <laughs> so anubhav means you link with someone who has a particular emotion that it, it has become your ideal, ideal in life and by following in the footsteps of such personalities, let's call the Nitya Siddhas, and in connection to that, the Sadhana Siddhas, Guru, Parampara, whatever, and some experience will come to you. So, so naturally, this verse is not speaking about eternal love already present in the heart. We know that Srila Prabhupada, in some way, presented the verse with some terms that may lend them itself to that interpretation, but we know also, as Guru Maharaj many times explained, uh, Prabhupada was perfect in his presentation at that particular moment, but at the same time it's understandable that he was not able to say everything in detail about every particular subject. It would be too much to digest for his audience at that time. So certain topics like this or the other, he was not very uh, specific, let's say, but gradually he he pointed to the books of the Goswami, he mentioned many times, it will be like night for you to read the Sandarvas and the Brihad Bhagavatam Rita. I didn't have time to present them, but those books should be studied. So, no, the door was open in that direction. <coughs> so, we could say that first, that between the Goswamis we don't find any, uh, any, conflict, in that re- any conflict in that regard. So, that's on one side. And you also ask... Can I, can I just... Yes. Before you leave that topic, can I just does, does the fall theory, uh, the preaching, uh, you know, instructions or the preaching strategy, get, I guess, beginning with Bhakti Thakur, mm-hmm. that there may be a fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that sort of a- along with that uh, fall? That then just necessarily from that argument, that point of view, we go to the. Uh, the swarup or the inherent bhav or bhakti within within the jiva do they complement each other in other words is that where the the idea comes from well actually you can't have one without the uh, other I, yeah actually inevitably one topic will lead you to the other at some point right i mean if okay. you if you enter, entertain one idea naturally the other idea will will appear in, in your way and you will have to learn how to harmonize that no. So, and of course, if you have, if you are of the idea of falling from somewhere, especially from Baikunta, Golok, immediately that will present a whole long list of uh, not only logical problems, at least, but specifically ontological and theological problems that will speak about this idea, will contradict the nature of bhakti, and so many things that we may not be able to go into detail now. But yes, one. Let's say let's say that one misunderstanding may may lead to the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's it's important to have in place both uh, tattvas, mm-hmm. which is the origin, mm-hmm. the, the, the the origin, the so the source of the jiva, and which is the 
the, the, the situation regarding bhakti. Because sometimes I've heard that some people say, well, it's not so important to know where you come from, but where are you going to? So just try to focus on that and do not make so much trouble regarding no, origins, genesis, and all this stuff. You know, in, other word, in other words, just ignore the question. No, no, no. But I, <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just, just I, ignore it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that some people say that, but I do not agree with that statement. No, I know. <laughs> but I'm yes, afraid. many people are, are. Some people suggest, and I understand. For some people, it not may it may not be the time for them to make that question, and it's perfectly understandable. But it's, it's important that one remains open to ask oneself some questions that maybe at this particular stage are not uh, necessary, but at that some other point it will be necessary. It's like when you are a child of one, two years, and you ask your mother when I, where I am coming from, and your mother will say, some bird put you in the chimney. No? And you are ecstatic with that answer. No, that's more than enough. You find you a, find a, you a find stork, not a, a stork. Okay, whatever, wherever the local analogy. <laughs> but you will feel there's full siddhanta there, basically. <laughs> but but when you are when you are five, six, seven, that answer is need some update. No, so this is the same. No, you begin practice of bhakti. We may be in the kindergarten level of bhakti, and maybe some very basic answers may be more than enough. Okay, but it's nice that that the ones who are guiding you and who are giving you those basic answers are also preparing you to for you to question in a higher way as time passes and you may be able to present deeper uh, de deeper levels of those same questions and, there are, and hopefully the answers should be there. But my point is that some people may say not so important to learn where do we come from but where we are going but the point is that if you consider that we are falling, let's say, or we are coming from that same place to which we want to go as the ultimate goal, again, that will present a big problem. Logical problem, at least, theological, ontological, as much. As much no? So it's important to understand uh, where, I, where I am coming from, if I am coming from, if you will, from somewhere. To say in some words, <laughs> so that's on one side, and you ask something about Mad Madhvacharya as well. So, of course, uh, I do not belong to the well. I belong to we belong to the Madhva Sampradaya in one in one sense, but in a more specific sense, we belong to the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Even though we may say Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya, it's long topic also maybe for today. But you know that. In one sense, we are linked with Madhva, but at the same time, we have uh, quite a number of differences uh, with with him. In one sense, we are much more close to Ramanuja and the Sri Sampradaya on certain uh, conclusions than Madhva even. So, because of that, we mainly focus on the concept of Gaudiya Sampradaya. Like sometimes, uh, it is said that, that Mahaprabhu took two points from each Sampradaya and make his own Sampradaya. There are two points that is speaking that he took. But as Guru Maharaj quotes Adikesha Prabhu, Dr. Kapoor, he once said, actually the four Sampradayas, each of them two, took two points from Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya. So in our subjective situation we tend to, to, to see it like that. No? 
not so much that Mahaprabhu is part of, but actually he's the supreme Easter day for us. So the point is that, yes, in Madhva we find different points, different Siddhanta. One point that we spoke, I think, I don't know if it was our latest call, about this idea that Madhva uh, presented that there's different types of jivas. Inherently, there are jivas that are tamasic by nature, rajasic by nature, <coughs> and sattvic by nature, and that mainly the uh, the sattvic jivas are the ones who had some hope in, in life, if you will, <laughs> and that the tamasic and rajasic jivas has has have some sort not of inherent bhakti, but the opposite of that inherent non bhakti forever, if you will, <laughs> and there no, is no chance no, at no all hope. for them to be saved. <laughs> no hope at all. So, so <laughs> like the the uh, idea of hell in the Christian religion, huh? Let's see. Who knows? But I, I don't think that's a, that's an idea worth entertaining by us, no? Because no, not too much hope at least for me in that regard. I. If I have to choose between the three types of jivas, I don't think I will be in the sattvic category at all. So, so I, I remember speaking about this. I remember, I think Archon City made the question some months ago. And after that, we, I have some exchange with Guru Maharaj and, about that. And he shared, because I asked him, no, what, which was his opinion regarding why... Hmm, uh, I mean, Madhvacharya for us is a venerable member of our Sampradaya. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta established his murti along with the other four of the rest of the Acharyas of the different Sampradayas. But at the same time, we don't agree with him on, on certain points. For example, he also dismisses uh, Brahma Vimohan Lila in the Bhagavad, as Sila Siddharmaras explains, because he considers too much for him to, to accept that the Adiguru of our Sampradaya, Brahma, Became, became bewildered, <clears throat> so that was too much for him, and he considered Brahma Bimohan Lila as an interpolation, so he, he took it out. So, of course, Mahaprabhu didn't take it out, he accepted that as a very, uh, not only as a part, but a very essential part of, of the Bhagavad. So, these are not details, in one sense, so how to to conceive this this stance, no? So basically, <coughs> I remember Guru Maharaj told me that he believed that, that Madhva felt himself like comfortable with the idea of eternal damnation mm -hmm. on the basis of of one shloka of the Bhagavad Gita that is in chapter 16, verse number 19, mm, when Krishna speaks about the nature of Asuric souls, if you will, demonic jivas. No, so there are such jivas are, are identified uh, by their qualities hmm, that are mentioned in that chapter with the different natures, no? uh, Asuric and Daiva mm -hmm. nature are analyzed. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and his idea is also driven by the idea, he told me, no? he, he, he thought that this idea is, he's called technically Taratamaya, no? this idea of certain inherent predisposed nature in the jivas always there. He told me that he thought that it was driven by by, the, by his sense hmm, that anadi karma is insufficient in and of itself uh, for the gradation of conditions we see in the world. This is the same topic that is is presented in the Vedanta Sutra. No? We see different karmic dispositions. So how to harmonize that 
in order for God to remain uh, just, if you will. No? But we know how Vedanta Sutra harmonizes that explaining this idea of because of karma, different dispositions, but there's no original point with everything started, anadi, and end of the topic. But well, it seems, as, as Guru Maharaj said to me, that for Madhvachara this was not enough, if you will. So he accepts, it is interestingly, because he mentioned to me that he accepts anadi karma, but he feels that karmic distinctions driven by, by choices should... Uh, uh, should be further derived from individual differ- differences, you know, karmic differences among jivas. So he, he posits this idea of what we may call Swarupa Ved, or, or differences in the, in the very intrinsic nature of, of the soul. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because he accepts Anadi Karma, but he also accepts this idea of, like in, in, in a complementary way, if you will, that there is some type of inherent difference in the jiva, mm-hmm. So, so Guru Maharaj ended, I remember his answer saying to me that his reply to, to this so-called, uh, like, whatever, conflict or controversial difference to be harmonized is that will, the sense of will in, in itself is unpredictable. Hmm? And as such, two equal wills, he told me, placed before the same choices need, to make, need not to make the same choices. He was like his last words, I remember, in, in the, regarding the topic. So, uh, in one sense, yes, Madhvacharya also accepts this idea of, of Anadi Karma. Um, actually, all Sampradayas accept this idea of Anadi Karma. Oh, we also were speaking with Guru Maharshan about this idea. So, um, basically, some part of our Gaudiya Sampradaya is not so much according uh, like agreeing with that conception, but basically we find in, in, in the other sampradayas that we even find different siddhantas because in order to have a sampradaya you have to have a different siddhanta because what the sampradaya is giving is a type of siddhanta. The word sampradaya means sampradaya. Dai means give, pradaya means give in a very generous way, and sam means completely. So sampradaya means a school of thought that gives, in a full way, a particular type of uh, perspective, a vantage point of view from of reality. So, every sampradaya has different siddhantas. So, we may say, okay, they have different siddhantas. They will, some will f- agree with another karma, some don't, because there are different siddhantas. But interestingly, in that particular point, all Vaishnava sampradayas agree, even though they disagree or they have some differences in other aspects of the Siddhanta. Mm. So that will be my answer, if that's okay. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll, mm-hmm. uh, let me turn the phone over to Prabhano who has a question. You had a question? Okay, so no, we'll let, we'll, uh, let someone else ask a question or ours. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. That was wonderful. <coughs> Thank you. Radhana, you want to ask your question? Are you there, Radhana? Can you hear me? Can you hear yeah. me? Yeah, I can hear you. Pull up my question. All right, well, it's good to see you. Um, <laughs> let me get my question. I wrote it down um, in my notes on my computer. Okay, so... so <clears throat> yes. Okay, so my question is, um, I was just kind of wondering... Um, 
I mean, you've been practicing pretty seriously for like a while, for a long time. Um, and I was wondering, um, I don't want to call them tips, but um, I was kind of wondering like, like what has helped you with your japa? Because I have like a lot of things going on in my life right now. And um, I, I obviously still chanting and stuff, but it's not like, I feel like the quality is kind of lacking. So I was kind of wondering, um, you know, what tips would you have for someone who is unsteady? Um, and I know that Gurudev has answered these questions before, but I was kind of wondering what your unique answer would be. Um, as like advice um, for improving the quality of our japa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, my unique answer in that regard, <laughs> or that thing that helps me the most, basically, is uh, like trying to be sincere, as sincere as possible as my present stage in life and, and, and try to to invoke some realistic prayer from that particular stage I'm in mm. in order to really uh, chant from a honest transparency point where I am now because sometimes Again, this is my personal recommendation no? that I feel it works for me. Sometimes we may thinking about something while we chant or having some ideal we should be chanting like this or I should be feeling like that or this should be happening right now. And maybe it doesn't have to happen that now. You shouldn't be feeling what you think right now. <laughs> no, I, I thought so much discouragement in some devotees because of this, no? of making a, a big mistake about maybe reading something and what you should be feeling when you chant <laughs> and you're yeah, chanting yeah. and you chant and you are not feeling that and you are like getting attached to the fruit if you will to the result of what you are doing expecting some particular reaction or result and feeling frustrated because that's not going on and maybe because that's not that doesn't have to be going on at that particular stage uh, so and, and this is, of course, can happen in so many directions. Because you can, for example, read something and read what happens to a devotee when he chants, but maybe the devotee is, is in the asakti stage. <laughs> and maybe you expect that same result while you may be, I don't know, an artani, britti, yeah. ambajan, kriya. And there is a different result on that stage than in nishta, ruchi, asakti. <laughs> so you may be expecting a particular result that will come in three stages after one decade after, two mm. lifetimes after, that can happen. <laughs> and, and, and you're just think, thinking nothing is happening. And actually maybe something is happening. And most times you realize something was happening when you start, when you stop chanting. No. <laughs> of course, that's not the idea. That's not the formula. Stop chanting so you develop faith that something is going on. <laughs> but, but first, like that, no, I, I, I should recommend personally try to chant uh, like praying to increase your faith in, 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 in the holy name trying to increase your faith in what's the holy name about in what do you, do you have there in your hands in your lips uh, how that's as Guru say it's, it's Chintamani it's a touchstone how everything can come from that and just try to develop this faith that I, there is really someone else there 
I mean, I'm not just bubbling some sounds into the ether, but I'm establishing a conversation and a relationship, and there is some reciprocation to that that may not become in the way I think it should be coming. It won't come when I think it should be coming, but it will come. But I have, I have to be really open to, the, to Krishna's reply, also to my japa. Because, if, again, if I'm chanting and I'm, I, I have already concluded about how Krishna should reply my japa, mm. that's nonsense. No. <laughs> you, you still want to control the whole situation. <laughs> I mean, and when Krishna answers with his particular style, you may, one may feel terrified about that reply and start running from that. No. And Krishna will say, well, you were calling me, you were asking mercy, I'm replying, and you're escaping from that. So, so we are a living contradiction in, in that case many times. <laughs> but that's part of, of the realization that should come with Japa. Once, mm-hmm. once one devotee says something very nice, he said, how to obtain a particular realization, realization in Japa? He said, try to, again, what I say, try to... Uh, to identify a particular obstacle that in the present moment is like stopping you for having mm. for, for having a higher degree of practice and start praying mm. try start praying for the mercy that will allow you to overcome that obstacle and the result mm-hmm. of that will be having a realization in japa and that realization mm. may not come in the moment you're chanting may not be some mystical lightning balls coming there no? <laughs> it may be some obstacle some difficulty that will come at the very moment you leave your japa mala there and you go out of your japa room and you know some so-called problem is there so the insight of your japa is coming there to to test you <laughs> so we should be also open to to extend the idea of of japa and not only uh, thinking something should be happening in the moment I'm chanting, but understanding maybe now I'm chanting and I shouldn't be attached to feeling something, but to make Krishna feel something. That's important point that at least for me is also helps. Once one devotee asked Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, he said, I'm chanting for 15 years and I do not feel anything. <laughs> of course, many things can be said. But he made a particular point with his answer. And he said, okay, no problem, keep chanting. No. <laughs> so you say, well, that's the, that's, the, that's the answer. What's the meaning of that? No? So his point was, do not be so attached to see, to, to feel something, but be more attached to make feel the others something. No? Try, this is a subtle point, but it's, it's very essential to our conception of Uttam Bhakti. That means... Do not try to see people, things, and situations as something that has to make me feel something, but try to see yourself as a unity of giving pleasure giving, or how can I make the others feel something, starting by Sri Harinam. Because actually, what, what's, what's Harinam? Guru Maharaj once said, what's in a name? So... <laughs> I always say the devotees inside your, your malika, in your, inside your japa uh, bag, bit bag, you, you call it in English. Uh, what's there? Actually, inside of, of that bit bag, you have the heart of your Guru Maharaj. Mm. The heart, not only of your Guru Maharaj, of the whole parampara, 
is there. Try to, this is not just mere archetypal strategy. <laughs> it's there. I mean, because your Guru Maharaj puts, poured, poured his own heart by giving that sound that represents his own love feeling for Krishna. It's vibrating in that sound that you receive, that you have inside there, you are trying to chant. He himself chanted there. And he received that from his Guru Maharaj and his Guru Maharaj from his Guru Maharaj. So the, all the hearts of the whole Parampara is inside that small bit back. <laughs> so sometimes we need to put some pause to our chanting and, and remember these things to re, so we can realize, oh, I am the midst of something extraordinary actually. This is not ordinary thing. And of course, there will be gray days, black days, sunny days of Japa. <laughs> it's part of our uh, Anishtita Bhana Kriya experience. But try to mm, be happy of somehow or other being engaged in bhakti, even in that unsteady stage. It's part of the practice. That's a, the, the important <laughs> focus. Remaining positive, understanding even all this unsteadiness, it's a mandatory chapter of my practice. So, it's not wrong to, to go through that. It's necessary. That's not the long-term goal, but it's necessary to go through that. So, feeling happy of having the chance of going through that, and of course, getting to the higher stages. But I, would, I should, bet best, first of all, trying to to recommend that try to accept where who you are now where you are now <laughs> and, and, and and from there try, try to express some sincerity that may come but sincerity first implies try to recognize where you are now as a sadaka with all the ups and downs <laughs> with all the necessity with all the fragility with all the vulnerability with all whatever maybe there in this chapter and try to develop faith that Krishna Mahaprabhu, Sri Sri Radha Krishna, Sri Gurudev, all of them in their most merciful disposition are being are witnessing that moment where you are trying to pray as sincere as possible. Try to feel yourself accompanied in that moment. No? That's very important. Mm-hmm. And from there some new <clears throat> inspiration will come for 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 going on with your prayer. No? And again, be attentive when you put your japa uh, mala down to, to, to catch the answer to your prayers that will come in daily dynamics, in so-called ordinary moments of your daily lives. <laughs> Once Thomas Merton said that, I like him a lot. He said, your salvation, your, your, your salvation starts in your most ordinary moments in your daily life. No? I mean, you have to know how to deal with that and find the extraordinary in the or so-called ordinary. Hmm? So we should be willing to, to, to experience that. We should be praying for being tested. That's what Kunti Devi may say. No? She prayed to Krishna. <coughs> Asking for, we call problems. But actually I should uh, update the version for this in one way, like saying, because it may sound a little bit like masochist for our capacity at least. So she was praying for tests, let's say. She was asking Krishna, please send me some test so the test can show me where I am now. Hmm? Because it's easy to 
to have an idea of myself without being tested and imagine I'm this, I am that, I am here, I am there. But when the test comes, you really know where you are standing now. <laughs> and that shouldn't be a problem. I mean, if you are looking for truth, you will be celebrating that some situation is showing where you are. So it's, it's a nice way of praying, you know, praying for tests, healthy tests, sustainable tests, and having this confidence, Krishna will never send me a test that I, I am not able to, to overcome. I mean, he knows what to send me better than me. So, so that's that's all these ideas extend the period of japa and and, and, and and make your daily situation part of your chanting, part of the re- result of your prayer, and eventually the whole day becomes, well, prayer basically. No? That's the idea. No? So some tips, many other things could be said, but I, I should recommend something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really really beautiful and I deeply um, appreciate it like yeah your points and your recommendations I really liked when you were saying like the prayer the kind of meditation with the prayer and um, yeah feeling in the moment with like everyone in like a most merciful like kind of condition um, or kind of mood Um, yeah that's just really really nice I just really appreciate it and I'm happy that it's recorded so I can re-listen to it yeah we should be like intelligent enough to find always some if you will not trick because it's not a trick it's reality but to find so called tricks to get to escape from the mechanical engagement because Mm. there is so many considerations to escape this mechanical mood as what what I was sharing now just stop for a minute I start to think about what's really there inside your bit bhag and all these considerations and immediately you receive some new input you know, to, to approach your, your practice from a refreshed, updated uh, uh, side. You know? So it's, yeah, part, it's, part cool. of the, it's part of the struggle, so there shouldn't be a problem. We should be happy of having mm. the chance of, of going through that motions. Yeah, that's helpful. Thanks. My, my computer is going dead, so I'm having to plug it in. You are you are not alone in in Kurukshetra, Ar- Ar- Aradhana. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Battlefield is there for all. So feel feel accompanied. I feel there's a whole army with powerful generals and unlike this with you. So that gives renewed hope Thank always. Jai, <laughs> Jai. Thank you. Yeah. <coughs> So something yeah, else. Something else. Wonderful answer. Um, we we can never hear enough tips about Java. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's always very yeah. wonderful. And so Mahara, um, do you have a question? You said I think you said you had a question. Yes, I do. Uh, Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Hi, Krishna. Um, I was reading in the Preeti Sandarbha that uh, this, I came across this a couple times and I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about it. Um, it's a verse from the Spacious Vatara Upanishad that was in the Preeti Sandarbha. And um, here's the verse. For the person who has bhakti for the Lord and bhakti for Guru as much as the Lord, the meaning of scripture is revealed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, famous verse. 
how is it the first line of the verse in Sanskrit? Tata Devi Tata Guru Tasyarte Kartita Hirta Prakashante Mahatmana. I cannot recall the first line. Yasya Devi Parabaktir. Yasya Devi Parabaktir. Yata Devi Tata Guru. Etc. Well, yes, that's a famous one. <laughs> and well, it, it has been presented from different sides. It's a very important statement from Upanishadic. Uh, dictum and it speaks about of course as you may realize it's very similar to this idea of Yasya Prasada Bhagavad Prasad Yasya Prasada Nagati Kutopi mm? like like trying to put the figure of Sri Guru in between Krishna and us, if you will. As this famous example is being given, Krishna being the sun, we being the the lotus flower and Guru being the lake. No? So the lake uh, properly receives the light of the sun and properly administrates that in, in accordingly so the, the lotus may survive and not only survive, of course, but flourish in all its splendor. So so basically what, what the, ger- the general meaning means there is like for someone who has uh, bhakti for Krishna and bhakti for Guru, the different yeah, essential meanings of scripture become manifest, prakashante. No? There is some prakash, some spurti, if you will, some revelation, some manifestation. <coughs> but actually, the, the let's say more confidential, the real meaning of the verse is uh, emphasizing the figure of, of the spiritual teacher above, if you will, that of Krishna. Properly, no. So, like, like saying, if if you have, I mean, the verse is saying something like this: at least you should have the same amount of bhakti for Sri Guru than what you have for Krishna. But like saying indirectly, like what Jiva Goswami mentions in his, uh, I think, Bhakti Sandarbha, that he mentions, some people consider mm, Guru Bhakti <coughs> an anga of Krishna Bhakti. But actually, some others prefer to consider Krishna Bhakti an Anga of Guru Bhakti. And the, lat- the latter is much more pleasing to the Lord. And like Jiva Goswami is saying, I prefer that one. And, and implying you should prefer that one also. <laughs> so the idea of the verse basically is that mm, Guru Bhakti is uh, especially important even above Krishna Bhakti. Of course, this is in a particular context. We are not dismissing Krishna Bhakti at all, because officially we practice Krishna Bhakti. But when you start to go in detail about what's Krishna Bhakti about, immediately you, you, no, you find the idea of Guru Bhakti, of Bhakta Bhakti. No? <laughs> because in order to, to speak about Krishna Bhakti, immediately you have to invoke the principle of Sadhu Sangha. Because Krishna Bhakti comes from, as you know, not from our own selves. Again, bhakti is not inherent, at least for us in our community. <laughs> and for some other communities like the six of Swamis and our founder Acharyas. But uh, basically the idea is that uh, for in order to have bhakti for Krishna, that bhakti is coming from, from someone 
and through someone is being expressed to finally reach Krishna. So, so the overall idea in this verse is that one. No, I mean, first of all comes Guru. As someone say, by the grace of Krishna, you meet Guru, and by the grace of Guru, you finally obtain Krishna. But even when you obtain Krishna, your relationship with Him won't be as Ekanishta Dikari conceives it. No, Krishna and me and no one else in the middle. That's not our approach. Our approach is indirect approach that pleases Krishna the most. And because of this, Silasvira Maharaj would say things like, our position is the fifth. No? There is Krishna, Krishna Das, Krishna Das, Anudas, Krishna Das, Anudas, Anudas, and there we come in this, this scene. Now you have Krishna, the Nitya Parikars of Krishna, Nitya Eternal Associates, you have the Sadhana Siddhas, no? you have the, the, the advanced Sadhakas, and it's us after that, trying to serve all of them. And that pleases Krishna much more. No? So, Yes, the idea of this verse will will be there to emphasize, uh, and it's speaking about faith, hmm? faith. So the importance of faith in, in relating to to obtaining the ultimate conclusions of Scripture, hmm? because of course understanding shastra is a matter of faith actually, and because of that we speak about shastriya sraddha. Hmm? Shastriya sraddha means that your faith should be informed by scripture proper properly but also it means that the only way to approach scripture basically is through faith hmm? of course your your intellectual faculties are there your logical rational uh, expression is there but above all that should be faith in what you are reading in what you are studying and in the person who who recommended let me put lights on one second So above, above all that should be faith in, in that people or, or that group of people who recommended you study this, study that. Because that's actually how everything works in our path. No? Faith is the active principle. And, and Guru Bhakti has, well, basically, it has to do with faith. I, I mean, you cannot escape from that. <coughs> one, one second. <coughs> So, so basically this Jiva Goswami is trying, by quoting this verse from Svetasvatar Upanishad, is trying to, to emphasize this idea, to get to the bottom, if you will, or, or to the top of the, of the scriptural canon in, in its real form. Basically you will do that through faith. And to have faith in Krishna actually implies to have faith in Guru, because Guru is the personification of Krishna Bhakti. So our goal is to obtain not Krishna. Our goal is not Krishna. Our goal is Krishna Prem. We don't want Krishna without Krishna Prem. So we will look for a heart <laughs> where that feeling is there and we will be faithful to that feeling. When we join some institution at one point in our lives, actually we are not joining an institution. We are joining a particular heart that is uh, engaged in the context of one institution, <laughs> in a relative sense. But we, we, essentially we joined a heart, we didn't join an institution. And if that heart goes to another institution, most probably we'll follow that heart <laughs> to, the, to the next institution. Mm -hmm. So, 
in that sense, we our faith is the driving force. That's my point. And wherever the, the object of our faith will be moving, we will be going after that. So, but the emphasis in this shloka is, is, is that one. No? Ideally, you should be having uh, as much faith in Krishna, as, you, as much faith in Sri Guru as you have in Krishna, and more. That's the idea. Uh, not not to make it, a, the guru a relative figure or someone like a, only like a means to a goal, hmm? but actually guru seva is, is a nitya uh, nitya affair, if you will, uh, an eternal affair where the disciple projects himself herself to to be to keep serving his guru both in nitya navadi and golok brindavan. So that's an eternal affair. And through that uh, department, if you will, our service will reach Krishna eventually. And we should have faith in that, of course. No? Because if there is no faith, most probably I won't be convinced that, okay, I will serve someone, and through that someone, that will go to that some other, someone and some other, and finally will reach Krishna. Of course, you need faith and understanding in order to learn how things work. No? So it works like that. Parampara means that. I mean, you have to have faith not only in your guru, but you have to have faith in the rest of the parampara because you give your seva to your guru, but you have to trust that he will give that to his guru and he to his guru, and that all the members will be properly doing their part in order that your service may reach Krishna, Radha Krishna, Dauji Gopal, whoever eventually. So you have to have faith in the whole concept of parampara. No? So, because of that, when we speak about Guru Nista or faith in Guru, we speak about Guru. We should uh, have a, a wide, a wide, a broader idea in mind. Guru means parampara, not only my Guru. That's still a very neophyte conception. My Guru. Okay, we have to start somewhere. My Guru, my Krishna, <laughs> my this, my this. It's still some sort of sense of possessiveness that is not so. Uh, developed, but gradually you start to see, oh, no, there's more than one guru, there's a land of gurus eventually, hmm? and I'm invited to live there as, as the only servant. <laughs> so you have to have faith no, that things will work properly if you go to a place where everything is guru and you are the only servant. <laughs> Try to imagine your mind starts to calculate what will happen to me. I will be the only servant and everyone will be served by me. And uh, what will happen to me? <laughs> so we have to really understand the dynamics of transcendence with intelligence and faith and project ourselves into that land where we will be the only servant, at least we will feel that, of course everyone will feel the same, but we won't enter there making that calculation. <laughs> we will really feel, I am disposed to be the only servant of every, not only person, but every atom, here, because Vaikuntira Prithibhyadi Sakal Chimai. From Vaikuntha upwards, everything, every atom is made of transcendent substance. So, we have to have faith, real faith, in order that I will go there and that will be the, the greatest wealth possible situation for me. So, <clears throat> all this will be coming from Guru and Parampara. And gradually that will extend naturally to Krishna. So I, I will say that 
Jiva Goswami's main intention was that by quoting that shloka of Shvetashvatara Upanishad, you know, trying to to, to, to present the, the, the very important position of the Guru and above even Krishna in the sense that the Guru represents love of Krishna and that's our goal. Our goal lies in the heart of, of, of the sadhu. That's a very interesting point. When, when you are in front of your Guru, you should understand my prayogen, the ultimate goal of my life, is standing before me. <laughs> in the heart of that person lies my ultimate destiny. Prem Prayojan is there in that heart. So the, the sadhus, the real sadhus, are personifications of the goal of my life. So we should really understand that uh, philosophically, so from there we conduct our service to them properly. <clears throat> wow, that was really, really great. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate everything you said. And I really appreciate how our mentality should always be of a servant. So, yeah, to work towards that. Well, yeah, that will happen. Krishna, Krishna himself conceives in that, in that way, no? I mean, <laughs> try to imagine, mm-hmm. no? The, yeah. the, the, the most esoteric aspect of Krishna is Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu is God wanted to be a servant of the devotees. <laughs> a servant yeah. of Sri Radha, of course, the topmost devotee. But it's interesting because sometimes we know some impersonalist philosophers want to be God. Uh, but in our philosophy we learn that God wants to be a devotee. No? So <laughs> and we are we are already yeah. devotee, but sometimes we are not satisfied with that. And sometimes we may even wonder maybe I, I, sh- I should become God? Who knows? <laughs> And actually, on a daily basis, we try to do that. Maybe unconsciously, maybe implicitly, not officially, but with certain actions and movements, we act as if, as if we were the center, the controller, the enjoyer. So it's still some part of us may be yet atheist, impersonalist, <laughs> and all these things that we officially reject, but internalists are still there. So, so it's important to understand this, the glorious position of a bhakta, so glorious that Bhagavan himself, in his ultimate uh, expression, appears as a bhakta, Mahaprabhu, bhakta avatar. So that should give us some some inspiration to to continue as in our development as as, as bhaktas. No, it's a big big noble project. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for coming on the call today. Wow, it was it was You're not very intention. So thanks to um, Guru Maharaj by. <laughs> so nice. Thanks for the whole situation for for making these nice arrangements. So I may share with you, and and I may have your associations. So I'm very happy to to be here, and well, hope to see you soon. Yeah, so, I think we. So we I, I should. I should finish now. Yes. Yeah, you Maybe you are yes, hearing so. from background, but they are already started the curtain, so it's somewhere. Yeah, so okay. we don't want you to be late. No, so. no problem. Subal didn't get to ask his question, but I know that he'll he'll have the opportunities. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure some opportunity will be there. Yeah, so I think just like Krishna did this for us, this was very nice. So. Hare Krishna. Jai. Haribo pranam. Haribo jai.